Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when the mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Truth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And as we announced at the beginning of season four, we are dubbing this season the Paracode Angels and Demons, uh, mostly because first series in the season is about angels and demons. So um, one thing that I wanted to share with you guys is that uh, we have just started with a new network called Conflict Radio. And uh, they had approached us. Uh, they are specifically on YouTube. So I wanted to thank them so much for asking us to join, uh, for us to join them. And uh, if you're hearing us on Conflict Radio for the first time, welcome, or on any of the podcatchers that we are on. Uh, and I am happy that uh, you guys are joining us this evening. Real quick, folks, for those of you who tuned in last week and are tuning in this week, uh, I don't know exactly how it sounds, but if my voice sounds a little distant or echoey, I do apologize for that uh, for the next few weeks as I did move down to Atlanta and I don't have my studio here, obviously, because, well, I have to be my studio at home for now back in Cleveland. Uh, but yeah, I have moved to Atlanta and so it's a little echoey. I apologize for that, guys. Uh, we are going to get that figured out. So I just wanted to throw that out there so you're not like, what happened? What's what's going with your awesome audio? It's <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sorry, guys. It isn't it always? Isn't it always Eric's fault? It, yes, yes, it <laughs> tends to be. <laughs> all right, folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. For those of you listening at ParatruthRadio.com, TMV Cafe, Conflict Radio and Paranormal UK Radio Network, as well as Fringe Radio Network. Let's get ready to expose some lies. Angels, some of the most famous creatures in all of creation. But what is an angel? Believe it or not, there's more to it than just simply a creature of a god with wings. There are classifications, and more notably, spheres of angels. Tonight, we will discuss this and more as we cover the topic of angelology. So getting into the the research of this and uh, just being the person that I am, because I have read the Bible, I, I've seen the, the very few names of angels in the Bible. Uh, you know, a lot of the names that we get are from other texts. I thought it was really interesting to take a look at this. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the, the hierarchy is pretty interesting because you have the seraphim and the cherubim, which are mentioned in the Bible. You have thrones, which are in a sense mentioned in the Bible as well. Um, you've got dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, uh, archangels and angels. Um, throughout doing the different research, was there anything that you found interesting that maybe you hadn't seen in your uh, theology books or anything like that? 
Not really. Uh, everything is pretty similar to what I've seen in the theology books, other than the names of the angels, uh, which we'll mention later. But, for example, just one, Raphael is not mentioned in the Holy Bible, but he is mentioned in other sources that are associated with the Bible or considered to be associated with. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only thing that I noticed was different outside of the theology books and commentaries that I have uh, in my library. Um, but one thing I did want to mention here, because you said that some of these things are mentioned in the Bible, uh, and you're right, seraphim are mentioned uh, in the book of Isaiah, uh, and then cherubim have been mentioned as well. Um, when it comes to principalities and stuff like that, it's really interesting because you don't hear that too often in the Bible. Right. However, in Ephesians... Uh, chapter 6, verse 12. And for those of you who don't know, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 are, is known as the armor of God scripture. Uh, it's basically tells you as a Christian the type of armor you need to wear on a daily basis to protect yourself from demonic entities and from the war or in the war that we fight against the spiritual entities. Uh, but in particular here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, now, this doesn't necessarily associate with angelical beings that are in heaven because they're not against us, and we shouldn't be against them either. Uh, this is more so a reference of those principalities, and in particular, the angels that have fallen uh, in ancient times. Um but nonetheless, what I, why I wanted to bring this up is because the idea of principalities and powers is something we're going to talk about tonight, as well as rulers. Uh, and I just think that's a good passage to mention here in regards to preparing us for the study of angelology here today over the next hour or so. Um, there are a number of different things that are slightly different from demonology, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, in demonology, they're often considered, uh, in, in the demonology, classifications and hierarchies, where in angelology, uh, angels are often not classified necessarily nor uh, placed in hierarchies, but instead are placed in spheres. Uh, and then they happen to have certain names, which we don't have all the names. Unfortunately, there's actually less information on angels than there are demons, but that's because much of what we learn from angel or about angelology comes from the scriptures as opposed to demonology, which comes from all types of different sources, uh, both uh, spiritual and secular. Um, but nonetheless, there are three spheres within angelology, and each of those spheres contain a number of of basically hierarchies or classifications. Um, I, I think I'd call it hierarchies. Uh, I think you would agree, Justin, because it basically starts with the highest type of angel, and then in each descending hierarchy, uh, and they become lesser and lesser, uh, not to make them any less powerful or any less notable, but it's just the way that they're ranked uh, according to how God created them. Yeah, the, the hierarchy is the types of angels. The the um the the classification would kind of just be the more so the definition of each type of angel in the high the different hierarchies. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So so going through the research and everything, you know, it, it was interesting to see the different hierarchy tiers. I guess. Uh, the, a lot of the research says spheres, um, but, uh, you know, you have the different classifications in each sphere or tier, if you will, of the hierarchy. Um, doing the research, just uh, the online research that we did for doing the episode, did you find anything that differed from your theology uh, research going through school? Not really, no. Um, the only thing that I can say that was the most different, I guess, is the names of angels. Uh, the Bible only communicates with us that there are three, there's only three angels mentioned by name, mm-hmm. or at least three that angels that are still ascended, at least. Yep. Or, I'm sorry, two angels that are ascended, one that has fallen. Yep. Uh, that's Michael, Gabriel, and then the fallen one, which is Lucifer. Um, 
However, there are a number of other names that are mentioned in other sources that are associated with the Bible but aren't part of the canon of the Bible. Uh, for example, Raphael being one of those names, which is mentioned in the Book of Enoch, uh, and then a number of other angels as well. Uh, so, so there are other names that I haven't heard of. I should repeat that. I have heard of, but aren't associated in the scriptures themselves. So that's the only thing that is different. Everything else that I've seen in my research for the angelology and just the spheres of angels, uh, is pretty similar to most of what I have in my, in my, uh, theology books and commentaries in my library. So I, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised. I expected to see more, uh, maybe more of a secular side of things regarding this, but it's, it pretty much follows right along with the canonical uh, version of the scriptures. So okay. uh, I was a little pleased with that, to be honest. <laughs> well, getting into into the hierarchy and the different spheres, if you will, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, which I, I don't know if you came across it, but did you see why they call it spheres uh, for for the different, I call it tiers, but... You call it tiers. <laughs> Because everybody's crying of joy. <laughs> well, if I was an angel in, in the presence of God, I'd be crying. But anyways, did you see anything that said yeah. why they call them spheres? Uh, no, I didn't see anything initially uh, really as to why they call them spheres. However, in a book uh, called On the Celestial Hierarchy, uh, which was written in the 4th and 5th centuries, or at least it was published in the 4th and 5th centuries, uh, kind of shows these classifications of angels, uh, and, and they're considered choirs, uh, angelic choirs. Uh, and in the photos in which you see them, you see them in circles, uh, a bottom circle, a circle mm-hmm. in the center, and a circle at top of all these different angels. And I think possibly that might be where the idea of the spheres come into, uh, the idea of circles uh, or the circle of angels. Um, again, this is just, it's my guess. I don't have an actual answer. There's nothing that I came across that specifically says why they're called spheres. Um, well, when you say circle, that actually kind of makes more sense. Cause if you think of, of, uh, human hierarchy, we have our different circles of friends, circles of different leaders, that sort of a thing. So that, yeah. that kind of actually makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. So and I don't think when they say spheres, we're actually thinking like a spherical object. Right. I don't think that's what the idea here is, you know, but. Right. Well, and that's why, that's why I ask you to define it because you have had the theology uh, training. So maybe you have a little more definition than, than I would. Um, but getting into the first sphere, uh, the, the first ones that are on the list is the seraphim. Uh, there it's roughly translated that the name means burning ones. Uh, singular would be seraph. And, uh, it's mentioned that these are the highest of angelic class and, um, that they are the caretakers of God's throne and continuously shout praises. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And it's mentioned, uh, in the Bible, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, actually that the seraphim are described as fiery six-winged beings with two wings that covered their face, two wings that covered their feet, and lastly, two wings that they used to fly. Now, you know, doing the research, when you think of wings, I, I thought, you know, well, why doesn't it, why don't they use them all to fly? Why, why is it two that covered their face and then two that covered their feet? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can probably educate us a little bit more on that. Yeah. Uh, simply they use two wings to cover their face and two to cover their feet just out of reverence to God. Um, you know, some people think that no matter what, like even though it's the highest classification of angels and even though they literally stand in the presence of God at all times, which is why they're called the burning ones, they're literally on fire because of God's beauty and presence. Uh, you know, a light basically that is brighter than any sun you can imagine um, that they should be able to see him. And maybe they could, if they put their wings down, maybe they could see him. We don't know. Uh, but either way, they tend to cover their face and feet just out of reverence to God in humility, uh, just as all people should do. And one day all people will do. 
Uh, and it's really the only reason that they cover their face and feet. It's just because of God's glory, because he's so mighty. They just they're not worthy, even though they're stationed there and meant to be stationed there. They're not worthy to look upon him. So it's it's actually kind of interesting. Um, you know, at the same time, it makes you wonder why they covered their feet. But nowhere that you had found does it say why they would cover their feet feet and reverence, correct? Right. Nothing online that I found. Uh, I do have information in my theology book back home in Cleveland, which is a long ways away. (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, I don't have that answer for you guys. So, you know, if you really do want that answer and you can't find it, let us know and I'll be sure to get that information for you guys. But as of this episode right now, this moment, I don't have a reason as to why necessarily they cover their feet. It's it's just interesting to think about because it makes you wonder like what is it about the feet that that why they would have to cover them in the well when you think about like let's step away from Christianity a little bit and let's look at uh, the Buddhist temple for example you you typically you have to take your shoes off before stepping into a Buddhist temple out of respect Mm. Um, and so in a way you can kind of see that maybe this is the same thing out of respect and again it's out of reverence they cover their feet and hide them in particular. Um, that's a good reference. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I think a lot more people would understand that Uh, even the more so the people that don't follow the Bible would understand that a little bit more than the ones that do. Um, so I think that's a good definition for it. Um, getting into the next, uh, type of angel i won't say classification because like i said i think classification just kind of just goes into the definition um is the cherubim uh singular cherub and unlike what you think of during valentine's day the cherub the big fat baby with the bow and arrow and wings so that he can fly and strike people in the heart and make them fall in love and all that great stuff the cherubim of the bible is actually a little bit of a different I wouldn't even say a little bit, greatly different description than what you usually think of. Uh, the cherubim have four faces, one of a man, one of an ox, one of a lion, and one of an eagle. They have four conjoined wings covered with eyes, a lion's body, and the feet of an oxen. Uh, it's said that they guard the way to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden and the throne of God. Uh, so in a sense, it almost seems like the cherubim are more of a, uh, a guard or protector compared mm-hmm. to some of when you think of like, for example, the archangels, which are the warriors. Um, mm-hmm. and now you can kind of start seeing the diff, the reason that you call it a hierarchy. You have the ones that are in the presence of God, the king. You have the ones that are protecting the, the, entrance to god or to his reign if if you will because of the garden of eden then you go into like i said the archangels which are the warriors so is there anything in what i described that is kind of different at all from from your research no not really uh i mean that that's all you know that's all biblical uh the 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 um description of the cherub is mentioned in the Bible. And it, what's interesting, it's actually kind of cool to think about the garden of Eden In Genesis. We're told that there is a flaming sword that hovers over the tree of life or over the center of the garden. Uh, and there are many uh, commentaries that believe that the flaming sword isn't a literal flaming sword, but is in fact one of these cherubs that are standing there okay. uh, guarding it. So that's something to just, just to throw out there. Interestingly enough, uh, the one thing that I came across, and I, I just wanted to get your thought on it, is uh, St. Thomas Aquinas imagined Satan as a cherub, but a lot of people believe him to be more so an archangel. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, there's, I mean, it could be. I mean, we don't really know because no, there's no scripture or any type of writing that actually suggests or tells us what Satan is. He does, doesn't tell us that he's an archangel, doesn't tell us that he's a cherub or this or that. Uh, we do know that Satan was a leader of music in heaven 
Uh, he was a musician. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but which makes sense because he kind of has a siren call, if you will, which leads people in, you know, disarray and stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's possible. He could be a fallen child. It's very possible. I've, I've heard that numerous times over the years. Uh, you know, one thing that's important to remember is that he is powerful. He's very powerful. And whether or not, you know, each of these angels have differentiating powers based on where they stand amongst the ranks, if you will, or within the spheres, you know, who knows? It's very possible. Now, getting into the the third of the first sphere of uh, of the hierarchy is uh, thrones. And the thrones, or elders, are a class of celestial beings mentioned by Paul in Colossians 1.16 in the New Testament. They are living symbols of God's justice and authority and have one of their symbols, uh, the, the throne. And it makes sense if you're a symbol of God's justice and authority, what brings to mind justice and authority than the throne? If you think of the king or queen of England, for example, you you think of justice and authority. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think of that. Um, One thing that uh, is interesting, and I wanted you to bring this up, is why, why thrones? Why why do you think we classify them under the thrones other than what I had just said? Yeah. Uh, well, basically they're often depicted as wheels. Um, they're the things that the creatures that God rides out on, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, and Ezekiel describes him as riding out on these creatures. Uh, you know, one way to think of it is these, you know, like in ancient times in Rome and stuff, you know, you have the king sitting up on a throne, and then you have people, uh, sometimes yeah. slaves, uh, it could be whoever, underneath the throne, carrying it on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, uh, very similar. So that's more or less why I think they're called thrones. Um, it's just to remember that they are, they're living symbols. They're, they're what God sits on, which is important because you know, so many people forget or just don't believe that God is a king. And not only is he a king, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, which means he has a throne that is above all other thrones. Uh, so, you know, the president of the United States has nothing against them. The queen of England has nothing against them. You know, they, they both have their own thrones because they were given to them by God, but their throne can easily be thrown into the fire by God and he still reigns, you know, so... That's, I mean, I think that's pretty much why they're considered thrones. It's just the idea that they are part of the throne itself. Uh, but that leads us into the second sphere. Uh, the second sphere begins with dominions, or also known as lordships. Uh, the dominions, uh, which are mentioned in a, I'm sorry, which are mentioned in Ephesians 1:21 and Colossians 1:16, are presented as the hierarchy of celestial beings or lordships. Uh, in some English translations of lower angels, uh, it is only with extreme rarity that the angelic lords make themselves physically known to humans. Uh, so in this case, the dominion is kind of what we'll cover next week. Actually, we talk about this in our demonology episode, uh, but it's the idea of leadership. Uh, they're the ones who tell everyone underneath them what to do. They appoint them to, uh, to their assigned tasks. But the dominions are believed to look like divinely beautiful humans with a pair of feathered wings, uh, much like the common representation of angels that we know now, uh, such as our guardian angels and stuff like that. Uh, but they may be distinguished from other groups of wielding orbs of light fastened to the heads of their scepters or on the pommel of their swords, uh, which is actually really cool and interesting, you know. Mm. Uh, the second one is virtues or strongholds. These are both mentioned in the Bible as well. Uh, these angels are those basically through which signs and miracles are made to the world or in the world. Uh, the term appears to be linked to the attribute might uh, from the Greek roots of dynamis. Uh, in Ephesians 1.21, which again is where dominions is mentioned, uh, it is also translated to virtue or powers, uh, which... Powers is another 
classification within the second sphere. Uh, they are presented as the celestial choir virtues uh, in the Summa Theologica. The final one, uh, or final classification within the second sphere is powers or authorities. Uh, again, we see this in the book of Ephesians, and particularly Ephesians 3.10, uh, but it, powers is also mentioned in Ephesians 6. Uh, their primary duty uh, is to supervise the movements of the heavenly bodies in order to ensure that the cosmos remain in order. Uh, being warrior angels, they also oppose evil spirits, especially those that make use of their matter in the universe and often cast evil spirits to uh, detention places. Uh, these angels are usually represented as soldiers wearing full armor and a helmet, uh, and also having defensive and offensive weapons, such as shields or spears or chains, depending on the belief or the artistic rendering. Mm-hmm. Um, the powers are the bearers of conscience and the keepers of history. They're also the warrior angels created to be completely loyal to God, uh, no matter what. And some believe that no power has ever fallen from grace, which is according more or less to six, uh, Ephesians 6.12, which I had mentioned earlier. Uh, their duty is simply to oversee the distribution of power among mankind, hence their own name. Um actually weird okay yeah you know it it, i'm sorry i say it's actually weird because in reading this earlier today and then just looking at it now as i'm as i'm you know describing this stuff uh i think it's interesting that people think that no power has ever actually fallen from grace uh however when you do look at ephesians 6 12 I think it shows that maybe powers have fallen because 612 again says that our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Um, and if powers is indeed an angelic creature, then that means that if we're fighting against these powers, then they must not be angelic in the heavenly realms, but instead must be fallen. Uh, it, and I mean, that's what I'm gathering from the scriptures. So I don't know if, Anyone disagrees with me, but if you do, let me know. Justin, what do you think about that? Well, a, a lot of the Bible is talking about battling the the evil side or demons, if you will, compared to battling angels that we think of as the good side. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that the description there is more so against that of evil compared to battling angels, even though when we when you and I think of demons we think of the the fallen the fallen right. angels so right. in a sense they are angels but they're they're no longer in god's good graces they're they're fallen they're no longer what they once were so i i think that that is where that falls you know I, and there might be people that are different that have different opinions on that um but just from that description alone that you read from the verse there, I mean, it, I think it's quite obvious that we're talking about something that isn't helping us. It's something that's against us. Right. And when when you think of angels, you think of helpers. So, right. Um, well, one thing that I can think of that might like kind of like, like in regards to powers, the one way I can see that maybe none have fallen is because maybe like in this case, Powers give power or distribute power amongst mankind. But we have to remember that mankind has free will and therefore can use that power and bend it accordingly. Uh, for example, Jesus said to Pilate that Pilate would have no power if it wasn't given to him by God, uh, which simply means that God gave him power and he chose to use it for evil. So in that case, I guess I can kind of understand why maybe no powers have fallen, but that our po- the the powers that we're fighting are simply against those powers that are wicked toward mankind. Hitler, for example, had power, but it was bad power. He could have used it for good. He didn't. Uh, so was that established by these angels or by God? Most likely. The scripture is very clear that no one has anything whatsoever if it wasn't given to them by God. It's how they choose to use it, however, uh, but really shows 
the fallen nature of mankind, considering, you know, even people with great power can use it for wickedness, mm. but with that same power can use it for greatness. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting because when we get into demonology, we'll kind of describe a little bit more how that all works, but on the evil side, because when you, when you think of angels and the good side, you don't think twisting any of that stuff. So right. getting into the, the third sphere, uh, the first in the third sphere is the principalities, uh, roughly translated as princedoms um, and rulers are the angels that guide and protect nations or groups of people and institution, institutions such as the church. The principality preside over the bands of angels and charge them with fulfilling the divine ministry. There are some who administer and some who assist. The principalities are shown wearing a crown and carrying a scepter. Their duty is said to be... Uh, I'm sorry, is said to carry out the orders given to them by the upper sphere angels and bequeath blessings to the material world. It's their task to oversee groups of people, which I had said earlier. It's interesting because when you think of um, them guarding nations and peoples, you think of Jerusalem and, and the <laughs> Jews and that sort of a thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, getting well, in, and that's like, you know... We often hear, like, there's no situation that you can go through that God hasn't already been through. And no matter what your situation, God is always there with you. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing here with the principalities and rulers. We might be going through a hard time. We might be hurting. We might be in pain. We might be, you know, whatever. But it's important to remember, regardless of what season of our life we're in, God and one of his angels are always right there with us regardless. And that's something to help give you peace. Like, okay, yeah, I'm struggling, but remember the most powerful being in all the universe is right here next to me. And he sent more powerful beings to sit here with me as well through this hard time. So it's something to give you peace. And you can actually, you actually see that in uh, the old Testament. Uh, I think it was, Oh goodness. I don't know if it was Samuel. I don't think it was Samuel. I think it was, uh, Elijah and El Elijah and Elisha, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where they were surrounded by warriors of some sort. I forget if they were warriors, they were guards or something like that. Uh, but they were surrounded and they're going to be taken hostage. And God spoke to Elijah and said, look around you. You're not alone. And there were tens of thousands of chariots, angelic chariots with angels on them surrounding him as far as the eye can see. And then he made all of the people who were there to harm them go blind. And it reminded Elijah that no matter what, God has his angels there for you, regardless of the situation, and not to fear because he'll deliver you from it. Now, that actually kind of leads us into the next part of, of the sphere, which is archangels. Now, it, in the list or in the description here, it gives me a bunch of different names, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but the, the archangels were basically the guardian angels of, of nations and countries. Um, they were the warriors. They're the military, whatever you can, uh, think of as our own military, amp it up by a hundred or even more. And that's what the archangels are. They, they're the protectors pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the ones that we think of most, I'm sure when we think of the archangels is Michael. Uh, who is supposed to be the one that ends up defeating Lucifer um, and and sending him to the pit. And um, please correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, because it's been quite some time since I've, I've read through the Bible, but that's pretty much the, summing up what Michael is, correct? So, yeah, basically uh, Michael is a warrior angel yes uh we do see him talk to lucifer in the bible uh one time uh and then we see in revelation that he fights against lucifer and casts him out of heaven but doesn't actually cast him into hell uh he casts him out of heaven and then i 
think he changed, I can't remember. I think he changed him up. I don't know if he does it or Jesus does it, but eventually Jesus is the one who then casts Satan into hell oh, or into the burning lake of sulfur. All right. And the last ones are the angels. The, they are the lowest order of angels and the most recognized. Uh, they are the ones most concerned with affairs of the living, uh, Within the category of angels, there are many different kinds with different functions. The angels are sent as messengers to humanity, as you see in the Bible most of the time. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up is, in this um, series, which is something I I had found on Bible.org, which they bring it up, is uh, the mention of the angel of the Lord. And mm-hmm. I do believe there is a difference between the mention of this particular angel compared to the angel hierarchy, correct? Right. Yeah, the angel of the Lord is often, often is, or has been always referenced or is indicated to be Jesus himself. Uh, So it's not actually an angel, but it's actually Jesus himself showing up or the, you know, one of the Trinity, basically. So... So some of the names really quick um, before we get to our break here that are kind of common other than the three that are in the Bible are Azazel, um, you, you hear Ariel a lot, you hear Metatron a lot, uh, obviously you hear Lucifer, um, you, you hear Gabriel, you hear Michael. Um, a lot of, and like Eric had mentioned, Raphael, in the beginning and Raziel is another one that is kind of well known and Uriel. Mm-hmm. A lot, most of these are from other texts other than the Bible. And it's really interesting to see that people had come up with these different names. And these are for archangels as well as just the, the different other archetypes, if you will. Um, in, in, Doing all this research, um, again, in your theology books, it's only just the three that are mentioned, correct? Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's interesting to see the different uh, texts that have come across these different names or supposedly come across these different names, if you will. Um, So we'll get into uh, a little bit of our own opinions on this particular topic in our in post show uh you've been listening to paratruth radio we will be right back after this break hey pair fans this episode is brought to you by audible.com if you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words then head on over to audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth where you can choose from over 180 thousand titles for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player that's what ransomware is all about it's psychological pressure ransomware when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom attacks are on the rise and russian gangs are making billions of dollars the moment i got that message i knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through the post-cold war era is over dot com the hacking a new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. So right before break, we had just finished discussing some of the different names that have been uh, written up uh, about of angels uh, throughout different texts, uh, both biblically and otherwise. Uh, some of those names, just as a little recap, were... Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, uh, Uriel, I don't think was brought up, but he's another one. Yeah. Uh, and then a few others as well. But as you can see, there's not a terrible amount of names like you will see in demonology next week. I think the reason for that is simply that people, for some reason, like to focus more on the darker stuff than they do on the angelic stuff. But well, nonetheless, the majority there, of the things that we talked about today were biblical. Was that? There was there was more to the list that I had found. Yeah. But a lot of them um, were more so, like, in the list, it was more so 
they they named even the classifications under the names of different ones. And some of them, like Azazel, for example, there some people speculate that Azazel is also a, a name associated with Satan or Lucifer as well. Yeah, I, I have heard that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's all kinds of different interpretations of the different angels uh, and the names of angels and what they mean and who they associate with. Uh, one thing I want to talk about just real quick, I'm going to briefly do this uh, before we kind of get into our typical post show, and that is just a quick abbreviation of the spheres uh, that, that it's like, it's a good quick reference. Uh, so the first sphere simply is angels that serve as the heavenly servants of God, the son incarnated, basically meaning Jesus. Uh, so yeah, the first sphere, simply angels who serve the heavenly or heaven, serve in heaven. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, the second sphere are angels who work as heavenly governors of the creation by subjecting matter and guiding and ruling the spirits. And then the third sphere is simply angels who function as heavenly guides, protectors, and messengers to human beings. Uh, so those are just quick, quick, quick little abbreviations for each sphere or definitions of each sphere and the types of angels you would find within them. Um, as we went through and discussed some of these angels, because I know you weren't very uh, educated, I guess, with some of the angels or the uh, classifications of angels, mm. such as the principalities and powers and that. But when you look through these, is there any that really, cause I know originally you're probably like, you, you really like archangels. Originally, like well, the idea of an archangel. They're right? my favorites, yeah. <laughs> they're your favorites. But since then, now that we've gone through this, are there any changes to that? I mean, are there any other angels that are kind of like, oh, this is, this thing's really cool? Um, I kind of always knew what the seraphim were, but reading mm-hmm. through the, through the description of them, it, um, brings to light that even though they're they're just described as the highest, but a lot of people of them, when you hear first, second, third sphere, depending on your your mindset, the first sphere can sometimes be the lowest, where the third would be the highest, where it's actually the opposite for this. Um right. But it was it was interesting to go through why they cover their faces and feet with with their wings that are on their their faces and feet because faces you can kind of understand even if you don't understand the re- the reverence part of it they're in in the light of God which means and you know they're called the burning ones so mm-hmm. to protect their face would make sense to protect protect their feet it, it makes you question things but after you described what that meant in reverence to god um it it kind of means re- respect if you will yeah it, it makes more sense but th- i think the seraphim kind of jumped up the list for me because they're they're constantly the best term I can come up with is doting God. If you were, they're always in the presence of him, which means they're always uh, trying to service him the best they can uh, while in his presence. So it, to, to me that they had jumped, jumped up, but I don't know, I guess always in my mind and maybe it's just my human side coming through when, when I think of archangels, I think of warriors and warriors going back in my memory have always been like, this cool thing in my mind, you know, you always want to be a warrior. You want to be strong and tough and be able to fight. So I think that's why the archangels were always, you know, at the top of my list. Oh yeah. But, uh, but I think the seraphim have come up because when you think of, of, uh, respect, the, the seraphim are at the highest at, at that list, if you will. Yeah. Well, one thing that I, I just came across, which is interesting in the puppet commentary regarding uh, Ephesians 6 2 and talking about the wings is that he believes at least that there's a possibility that originally the seraphim had six wings for rapid flight 
in order to carry out God's commands quicker than and more swiftly than other angels can, uh, which is kind of cool when you think about it. But then whenever they're in front of God, they use those four extra wings or the two extra sets to cover their face and feet. Uh, so, you know, they have multi-purpose, I guess, if you will. Um, but it's still interesting because according to the scripture, we see that the seraphim do just stand in front of God at all times, uh, attending to him and praising him. Well, the other so, thing with, with those wings or the, the face and feet, even <laughs> though they're called the burning ones, those wings are resilient enough, if you will, to still not be burned away. And, oh, yeah. and, and cover in reverence, which is kind of interesting. But again, coming from a human mindset, you don't understand an, an ethereal or spiritual being compared to our phys- physical ex- uh, our physical existence. Because if you think of birds, if you burn away their wings, they're nothing. They're they're right. they're done. Right. Yeah. It it's really is something. You know, the one other thing that I know. I mean, I've known this for years, but the one thing that I noticed that you, I think you noticed, <laughs> was how much scarier these angels actually seem to appear based on the descriptions of them in the Bible. Well, uh, more know, like, so the cherubim, because <laughs> when you read the description of the cherubim, you almost think of the uh, the chimera of Greek mythology, where mm-hmm. it was the head of a lion, a goat, and um, a dragon with right. the tail of a snake. And... Um, that in and of itself, just the the chimera, let alone the cherubim, which seemed even more scary because they had four faces. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting to see that not all angels are, as a lot of people believe, beautiful. Even though the cherubim are probably beautiful in the sense that uh, when they describe it in the Bible, it's kind of basic, but to see them in front of you can be scary and beautiful at the same time. If you, if you get what I mean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, how many times, you know, we depict God as, as beautiful, you know, um, and through the, through the scripture, we see it as the same way, but the descriptions used to describe God are still pretty frightening. Uh, I mean, it talks about uh, his arms and his legs being like burnished bronze and his eyes are like fire and his face is like lightning. And, you know, the idea of the mixture of fire and lightning and all that, it's just kind of creepy. Um, but there have been numerous times throughout scripture where someone had seen God and, and though they haven't seen him in his full pure form, they were so frightened. And even when they see angels, they were so frightened that they fell straight to the ground, straight to their face because they didn't know what else to do. Uh, and that happened to both. Uh, people of the faith back then in the Bible, and also people who weren't of faith who ran into these angels, not knowing what to do all of a sudden. Um, Paul, actually, being one of them, uh, when he was a persecutor of the church, Jesus came to him and he fell because he heard the voice of God. It was like thunder. You know, there's another interesting thing. Like his voice is like thunder. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's really... Which is kind of funny really to think about because... <laughs> When you, when you think of fell, you don't think of fell to the knees and like all that. You think face plant. <laughs> face <laughs> yeah, face plant and get into the fetal position and rock around back and forth. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I mean, it's Paul crazy. heard, the, and, and heard the word of God. Face plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's amazing. Like, this is why I constantly say, uh, that the Bible is one of the best books to read in regards to genre because you get everything in it. You get, you know, you get the action, you get the romance, you get the drama, and you get the horror. Mm. <laughs> uh, read the descriptions of some of the creatures in the Bible. Uh, Revelation being one of the top ones. Uh, you know, I've heard many people who've read Revelation and just tell me how scary of a book it is to them mm. because of the description of some of the creatures in it. Um, but, you know, we have talked talking donkeys. That's something interesting. We have a guy who became like an animal uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, well, in you know, a sense, you kind of get uh, super intelligent pigs because when you see uh, Jesus cast the demon out and say, okay, go to the pigs, you see a bunch of pigs killing themselves over a cliff. 
Or is it a single so pig? Think, so you think the... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you think the pigs are running from the demons? No, no, no. I'm just saying <laughs> they get more of an intel- intelligence, if you will, because the demons possess the pigs. Oh, the, I pigs see, I see. the pigs don't know what's going on, but the demons are compelling them to go over the cliff. And I yeah, believe I, that yeah, is yeah, with Legion, correct? Uh, that one, I think that one was Legion. Yeah. I, I think. I would I would yeah, think so because island, it's multiple uh, and Jesus happened to show up and the guy came out right. asking why he was there and so he gave him the option to go to the pigs instead of being cast right because he asked Jesus not to cast them out um so he said okay go to those pigs but um but yeah that's another frightening thing like you can you don't want to have a dream about a bunch of pigs committing Killing suicide yeah. <laughs> that's just crazy scary um we are nearing the end of the show here though are there any takeaways for you after tonight's episode? Um, just that angels seem to be the protectors of humanity. You know, uh, even though I I kind of believe that from from the beginning, but going from the research that I had come across, the the lower angels that we call angels, quote unquote, um are always supposedly doting on us hand and foot, basically, uh, just making sure we're okay, going up to archangels that are the warriors that are battling the the evil ones all the time, going all the way up to the, to, to the seraphim. But um, that that's the biggest thing that I come across as far as angelology and, and going over the hierarchy and that sort of a thing is, that uh, basically the angels are the good guys. Mm-hmm. What yeah, about absolutely. yourself? Yeah, I, you're right. It's, it's very clear that that's what they are. You know, um, they're they're here to protect. They're here to to save. They're here. You know, they're they're not some type of malevolent being like demons are. You know, they're very much malevolent. Yeah, malevolent. Mm. Um. And good to be on our side, that's for sure, because uh, it would kind of suck if everything was against us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. it, it's it's funny to to think about it a little bit because um, when you when you think of Lucifer or Satan or whatever, uh, even though he was an angel that was supposed to protect us, he thought it below himself to protect us, where the rest are like. No, Dad says this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Some very interesting things, man. It goes to show what pride does, and unfortunately, well, both fortunately and unfortunately. I mean, it's unfortunate for him and us at the moment, but yeah. fortunately for us in the future, uh, that his pride will ultimately give him hell, in particular the burning like a sulfur. Uh, which just goes to show you how important it is to try to humble yourself in uh, a normal day-to-day business, you know, not to, you know, get your, uh, you know, not to puff your chest or, you know, act like you're better than everyone else because eventually those people who do that will be cut down. If not by other people, then by God himself. And God is very clear about that. Uh, anyone who believes himself greater than someone else doesn't deserve the kingdom, you know, doesn't deserve a lot of things and will eventually be cut down and thrown into the fire as, uh, as chaff. So, but, uh, very interesting things. That's angels, folks. Uh, angelology. Um, this is one of those that, again, there's more information outside of the Christian text. There's more information outside of simply the spheres. Um, whether or not that information is true though, is really up in the air. You know, the, a lot of this stuff when it comes to the study of angels and the study of of demons, which we'll cover next week, are more or less dependent on one's belief system. Um, it, one thing that's important to remember when studying angels and studying demons, that kind of thing, as a Christian, that type of thing isn't going to affect your, well, shouldn't affect your faith. It could, unfortunately. It very well could. you got to be be careful to protect your heart in those matters. Um, but ideally, when researching and like believing that Satan is a cherub, 
instead of an archangel, or believing that there's a number of archangels by different names, such as Raphael and Uriel and, you know, so on and so forth, Azazel. Uh, believing that doesn't affect and shouldn't affect your faith ultimately. Uh, it's not like, oh, I believe in these angels that aren't mentioned in the Bible. Oh, therefore you go to hell because of it. That's not true. That's I not was going to say that <laughs> there's no reason yeah. you can't believe that. Yeah, because I tell you, there are people out there who will tell you you can't believe that because it's against your faith and because it'll, you know, it's not, it's not pure or whatever like that. Believe me, there's people out there who will do it and tell you that I know for a fact. Um, but just kind of shrug it off. You know, like if you do believe that stuff, as long as you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross and then three days later rose again, completely forgiving your sins, and that you truly believe that he currently reigns on the throne in heaven and will one day come back to save humanity uh, and to restore the kingdom of heaven. He's already, I'm sorry. He's already saved humanity, technically. But to come back and restore earth and the kingdom of heaven, making them one, then your faith is secure. Of course, it goes into a whole lot more than that because uh, by faith you shall work. You know, a lot of people think that you enter heaven by works, by being good and doing good. But that's not true either. But the fact is that if you have a true faith in Christ, you should also be doing good works. Uh, the Bible says that Christians will be known by their fruits. There's a passage uh, in the book of James uh, chapter 2, verse 12 through 26. In particular, the verse is James chapter 2, verse 18 says that you have, this is James talking, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Which ideally means one can work and do good things, but without faith, they mean absolutely nothing to God. He doesn't care. If, I mean, I mean, he cares that you're doing good, but in the end, you don't get salvation off of it. You don't get to enter the kingdom of heaven. You eventually, unfortunately, go to hell. But if by your faith, the Holy Spirit leads you to do good works, then it's your faith alone that gets you into the kingdom. So that's just something to remember when you do this kind of research on these topics. As long as the topics don't twist your faith and make you... uh I guess pull you away from the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, then you should be all right. So be sure to pray about this kind of thing before doing the research. Think about it before going into it. Uh, if you need, have any questions for either me or Justin, you know, feel free to te text us. You do not, you better not have our phone numbers because <laughs> if you do, I don't know. No, but, but if they are a part of our Patreon, uh, contributors, they can reach us on our, uh, Discord server, which is basically That's true. kind of a texting. That's true. That's true. So you can do so you can text us if you're a Patreon account, uh, or Patreon of the show. Um, so feel free to text us, message us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on the website, you name it. You yeah. can probably find it. Pretty much just Google Paratruth Radio. You'll be able to get in contact with us. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. That, that, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that is the episode of Angels and Angelology. With that said, it is time to go, so it's been a blast this week. We will see you again next week, same time, same place. And as always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. Peace. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s.
lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference. All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.